Hello and welcome to another episode of What's Normal with Gabriel Sanders. Hello, I'm Gabriel Sanders, and this episode is titled In Place But Out of Place. On this episode, I talk to a woman with a fascinating story, Miggy Boylan. She introduced me to her normal and, of course, shared her normal with all of you out there. But let me ask you, are you okay? How are you doing with all this craziness happening? Do you feel in place but out of place? Who doesn't? Really, I know I do, definitely. Have you found yourself in place but out of place? Like where you think you ought to be or have to be or are exactly where you have to be but it just doesn't feel right? You're uncomfortable. There's an internal struggle happening and no one else sees that or maybe they do maybe they see that you're struggling but then they label you right maybe they call you a name what's going on with that guy he seems weird what's going on with her she seems off and without even knowing the full story do you or have you ever found where you fully naturally belong of course we do right i hope you do but, but what does it take you to make you fit? Are you doing what you want to do? And doing what you want to do, does it feel right? Does it feel like you're in place? What does it take you to be, to make you part of the program and make you feel like you want to be there? Do you belong? Do you belong where you are? These are some existential questions that do two things to me, just thinking about them. They make me depressed, and they also make me appreciate where I am and where I've been. Even from a bad circumstance, I try to take something good out of it. But if you're in the situation, what would you do if you needed help? How would you ask for help? Who would you ask for help? I would, and I've done, I've asked the universe for guidance. It's a spiritual thing, right? You ask the universe. Show me some signs. Point and lead the way. But is that considered to be a form of praying? I'm not praying to, I'm not asking the big entity in the sky, wherever he or she or they may be, a god, right, or, or Jesus. I'm not asking them. I'm asking the universe. I'm trying to connect to the energy of the universe to put me back on path if I feel like I'm off the path. Or if I'm the right path, maybe uh, it doesn't feel right, but it's where I need to be, and it sucks. Even if it sucks, it's where I need to be. But if you're religious, how often do you pray? Is it working? Is the prayer working? Are you praying hard enough? Not to put praying down. If praying works for you, then that's that's great for you. These are all the things that we get into in this talk. I had this great talk with Miggy. We get into a lot, but the two big things we get into are these two things of being in place but out of place and the strength of praying. I even share in this talk about the accidents I've had while I was growing up. I was an accident-prone child, and, and if prayer helped me survive a major accident. I survived. I'm alive. I'm here. <laughs> but was it because of the prayer? Does praying hurt at all? If it doesn't hurt anyone else, does praying hurt? 
Does it make you feel good? Does praying kind of open up the energy to bring in an answer, or are you kind of forcing that? We get into this a lot. We get into it in the conversation. Miggy Boylan had actually made a guest appearance on a mini episode of mine, Dreams and Nightmares, and we talk more about dreams in this episode, but really more about stress dreams, because we are all, as a country, as a world. Stressed right now? We're stressed. Are you stressed? You've got to be stressed. This is a very stressful time. Have your dreams been affected by the craziness? Feel free, please, to share your stress dreams on any of the social media links for the show: Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You could also leave a voicemail, and I'll play it on the show. This talk I had with Miggy was from about a month ago, before the election. Before we had this new Supreme Court judge, and before actually my wedding anniversary to my my wife Carrie, we've been married now just over seven years, and also before my birthday, which has just recently passed, I'm now officially on the edge of being in my mid 40s, and for the first time, I actually the birthday kind of stressed me out. I woke up feeling. Off, I woke up feeling in place but out of place, because everything is wrapped around and filtered by this blanket of COVID and quarantine and pandemic and politics and Trump. You know, all this which has been plaguing our country. But Nigi and I had a great talk. You don't know someone else's normal until you talk to them. You could all be guessing and making assumptions, but not until you talk to someone do you know their truth, their normal. Miggy had a strict religious upbringing in evangelical Pentecostalism, and she wanted to become a nun to go fully into that world, even though they don't believe in nuns. But it was all or nothing for her; either that, or she would go to hell. So she was depressed and confused, and she felt hopeless. She was in place, but out of place. So, is it okay not to fit where you need to be? Is it okay being a square surrounded by circles, trying to get into a round hole, but you're a diamond? Is that okay, or is that wrong? Following a religion that you know does not work for you. Being at a party and no one is talking to you. If you want answers or help or guidance or a way to help someone else, would praying help? Or if it didn't, again, were you praying hard enough? Something else was brought up in the conversation. Miggy said that while she was working at a mental institution, she realized she had a nervous breakdown. Ever have those? That's when it's everything's off the charts, right? You feel like you're doing everything by the book. You you feel like you're in place, and then snap, you have a breakdown. Those are memorable. Those are fun. Even the mini ones, the little mini nervous breakdowns, you may never forget. And I feel like I'm beginning a slow ride into one now. I think I feel like I'm on the roller coaster. I'll see what happens. 
You get on the roller coaster, you go all the way up, and then there's that gigantic drop. Am I even on the right roller coaster? Do I belong on this one? Or am I better over there? The grass is always greener, but am I better on that roller coaster over there? Am I using the fast pass? Do I have a fast pass? Can I try them all out? How about that one over there, the one that where I can interact with the movies? Is that cool? Would that be better for me? My wife and I say that we will ride the waves and the roller coasters of life together. And now that we have two daughters, we can go two and two, two in front and two in back. But sometimes I just need to be forced into quarantine during an international pandemic to really put things into perspective, you know. So that's it. I'll leave the talk to do the talking. Enough of my preamble. But I will say that I mentioned that I met one of the fat boys in this talk as a child. If you're a child of the '80s, you'll remember the fat boys. They were a hip hop trio. They came out of Brooklyn, New York. And the guy I met, whose name I forgot, was Doctor、uh, Nice or DJ Doctor Nice. His real name was Darren Robinson. He also went by Big Buff, Buff Love, Buffy the Human Beatbox. He passed away almost 25 years ago, and that's all I'll say about him. But maybe you'll connect to some of the things that were brought up in this talk. Maybe you'll become aware about some things for yourself that it's maybe time to let go of certain things, or change certain things, or step out of where you are. Whatever feels better to you. If it feels normal or not, sometimes doing something that's not normal or feels not normal might be better. For me, I've noticed many times in my life that I didn't fit in, and even when I wanted to, even when I needed to. But you know what? Hindsight is twenty-twenty, and this year of twenty-twenty really sucked, didn't it? So let's keep twenty-twenty in our hindsight. Let's let's learn from twenty-twenty. Let's. Do our best to to keep going. Let's do our best to make next year a better year. Make today a better day. Do what you can. Do you feel in place but out of place? Do most of you? Please feel free to share with me on the social media links that are listed on the description page for the episode. But now, please enjoy this talk with Miggy Boylan. Hello, Miggy. Hi. Hi, Miggy. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? Great. Thank you for doing this. I am still awake. Yes. <laughs> I'm sitting outside. It's nighttime、mm-hmm. uh, in Florida on my lanai, as I call it in Florida, and、mm-hmm. I'm actually having a screwed-up screwdriver, is what I call it. Ah. So what are you using? Well, I wanted to go for the orange juice, but I wound up getting、uh, apple cider. That doesn't. Might that, not be so bad. That was surprising. Not so bad. <laughs> then I and then I added a little more orange juice. It was. It it, it took me by surprise. Yeah. Yeah. I'll try it one day.、Uh, so it's a little bit of apple cider, a little bit of orange juice. So Carrie is saying, "Why don't you just mix it up, blend it up, put some banana and and Bailey's in it?" I'm thinking milk and orange juice or cream and orange juice. And I don't. Yeah. That's no, not.、Uh, it doesn't sound very. Not、bad. for me. So Miggy, John Baptiste Boylan. Yes. I just go by Miggy Boylan. It's the John Baptiste, like on Facebook. Yeah. In case people、Miggy、are looking、Boylan. for me, <laughs> which no one is. <laughs> uh, well, I hope not. No, no. I hope not. No, not that I know.、Uh, yeah.、Uh, do you ever you ever think about that, like, in just in a funny way sometimes, or maybe when you're growing up or before life got serious,、mm. you ever think, 
Oh, wouldn't it be nice if I had a stalker? No. God, no. No. Okay. <laughs> no. No, no, no. Just to, yeah, you know, someone's interested me that much that they will take out their, their time of, out of their, their like day. Like a stalker? To, like a regular stalker? Or like a Just like Facebook someone who's stalker. just like, yeah, I think a Facebook stalker is actually creepier than a regular stalker. I prefer a Facebook actually, stalker. No. I would actually prefer yeah. a Facebook stalker. Just, you know, at least they're liking a lot of things. Yeah, you just kind of look at some photos and go about your business. Yeah. I certainly hope. But like in real life, yeah. I think a stalker would be incredibly bored. That's what I was thinking. Maybe, you know, there are some times when like, if someone was stalking me, they're, they're going to be watching me. I would find that fascinating. If I had a stalker, would it be cool? Yeah. Why would they stalk me? And, and it's not a paranoid thing at all. Does it sound paranoid? No. I don't think no, it's paranoid. I think it's an no. interesting thought. It's just... It's just a thought. Not a bad person stalking, but just like, you know, maybe like an obsessed fan type of thing. <laughs> that's, what I, that's what I wanted, really, an obsessed I'm fan. I'm sure you'll have not one a stalker. <laughs> that would be great. If anybody you, uh, you out there who wants to be one of my obsessed fans, let me know. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you where I'll be on I'm Tuesday. Gonna, <laughs> yes, I'll tell you where I'll be. No, actually, I shouldn't tell them. If they're an obsessed fan, they yes, will know. They will find out. that is true. They have to prove their dedication. Yeah. You yeah. show up at the But Wawa. I don't want to... You show... <laughs> <laughs> there's always someone around with that red shirt who is that so mickey thank you for thank you for being on this thank you for uh, taking out your quality nighttime <laughs> Qual- to be on the show i mean you probably the kids are in bed you know my yes, kids are asleep thank god and yeah yeah right thank god and and you'd rather be just like lounging on the couch I'm with usually, with your like, loved one just vegging out on the phone he's oh, yeah. usually a lot of info but usually at this time he's like in the bathroom so this is like my quiet time to like you know get caught up on whatever the hell is going on you know on my phone maybe it's like a family conversation or my friends are texting or something so oh i see yeah i see that's oh, that it's a, that's like a nighttime shower thing, or it's like okay, I'm scheduling a poo like every night. I think it's just like his do. his like bodily thing. He just he just does it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> everyone has a bodily everybody's thing. got a bodily. I think everyone thing. has a everyone does. Um, I I learned that, and this is what Seinfeld talks about that your bladder has a mind of its own. That um, like I can't. It's hard for me. And Seinfeld talks about this. That it's hard for me sometimes if I really need to, you know, do number <laughs> two. It's it's hard for me to go in public places. Oh, you know, a lot if of I, people have that issue. Yeah, right. Yeah, a lot. And it's like I have a shy. Yeah, client. a lot of people have that issue. Yeah. I've never had that issue. I think I may have started yeah. at some point being like a female. You want to be like, you know, I never poop. Um, but yeah, no, mm. that that probably went out the window once I. Once I got mm-hmm. to like college, I was just like, you know what? I, I can't hang out and work eight hours and, you know, not go to the bathroom. So it's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I learned when I was, I'm not working now, but when I was working on TV sets and film mm-hmm. sets and time is, is an issue. As a boom operator, there are some times when I could let my, my sound utility come in and fill mm-hmm. in for me, but there are times when I can't. So either I'm like holding it in for a long time on set or I'm running out and whatever I have to do, I have to do in like two minutes uh-huh. time and not a healthy no. thing. No, no. Not a healthy thing at all. But everyone, to all my handful of listeners, Mickey, you joined in on my many episode of Dreams yes. and Nightmares. Yeah. Yeah. 
And uh, thank you so much. Well, you said, yeah, like, yeah. I oh, no, no, no. Anytime somebody mentions dream, it, <laughs> it actually, I was just thinking, like, you know, you, you get like a glimpse right. of a dream. Like, I was just trying to remember what, there was something weird that happened last night, but I can't quite grasp it yet. Yeah. I mean, I still have, I still have very wild <laughs> dreams. And there are dreams that I originally had, was going to talk about in a mini episode, mm-hmm. and I didn't. Because really, it's a lot. It's a lot it to really process. It really is, yeah. Um, it really is a lot to process. So I tried to keep it you know, in with some kind of uh, neat package. Mm-hmm. But it's like, how much can I really talk about this stuff? I'm trying to remember. Um, and now I can't. You know, when I'm trying to remember a dream, dreams just pop mm-hmm. into the head. Do you yes. find that happens? Like all of a sudden, you, you suddenly remember, remember a dream? it. Like something triggers it and it pops up. Mm-hmm. And you're like, I was mm-hmm. totally just here last night. <laughs> right. Yeah. Have you ever, and we'll, we'll move off the dreams theme in a second, but now now that you're here, we could um, expand on a little bit. Have you ever had a dream about a loved one who's passed? Um, yes. Have you ever seen, you have? Yes. Wow. I, I haven't. Yeah. I have, I've, I've never actually, had that opportunity. I had a dream once. My nephew passed away. Mm. Gosh, it feels like it's at least 10 years ago, actually. Oh, wow. Um, and I remember one night, waking up because I was dreaming about him but you know you're kind of half awake and half asleep and I remember like kind of opening my eyes and he was standing by my bed and I like grabbed Mm. my husband's hand my husband's hand and I was just like holy shit (laughs) like it scared the crap out of me but I knew like you know he's not actually there but it was it was just so vivid like it really did just scare the scare the life out of me for for a moment yeah wow was that, if you don't mind me uh, getting into it a little bit, was it soon after he passed? It it probably was. I don't remember exactly when, but we were yeah we were still living. It, it probably was maybe just a few months after he passed away. Wow. I tend to have That's like amazing. more vibrant dreams when I'm stressed, though, so it could be, you mm-hmm. know. But yeah, no, it was definitely uh, yeah. a couple of years ago. Stress dreams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are, those really churn up some wild imagery. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was yes. dreaming once the night before I was supposed to start a new job. I mm. had a dream that I went to the wrong job. I went to my old job instead of the new job. And I didn't realize it until like 10 in the morning. I'm at my old job and I'm just kind of like trucking along as usual. And then I realized I missed my first day and I'm not supposed to oh. be there. And I start crying and I'm saying, I'm saying, oh, what was I saying? I said over and over oh gosh i can't remember the phrase it was something like it's not like it's not my worry it's not i get really attached mm. to workplaces so i was mm-hmm. really stressed about leaving them and i was just like it's it's not my business like it's not it's not my problem i can move on no so luckily i woke That's up wild. it was like that... 6 a.m and i was you know yeah. right on track <laughs> to get into my new <laughs> job on time but i felt wow. like i spent half the night just stressed and crying yeah everyone's telling me calm down it's okay and i'm like no it's not my problem it's not my problem (laughs) oh man did i talk about i'm sure i've mentioned on the show before that i used to work in morning news i have talked about in the show but i'm not sure if i talked about any time in in the dreams mini episode Mm -hmm. but um so i worked in morning news and for the first couple of months i was still living uh, with my parents in Long Island and in the year 2000. And then I eventually moved to Queens. So long ago. But, 
Yeah. Yeah. So morning news, 2000, 2001, moved to Queens in the middle of it. But for first couple of uh, short while, month, couple of months, I would drive all the way into the city. Mm-hmm. So it took me to get there by 3 a.m. took me like no time. But then coming home, it always took me like a, an hour to yeah. it. And I'd fall asleep behind the wheel oh. and I'd be stuck in major traffic. It was horrible. And then I got rid of the car. Then I'd take a train, which was even even more horrible. I think I did that for like a couple of mm-hmm. weeks, taking a train at that time in the morning. But I remember um, in like the first week of this job, now it's a 3 a.m. to 11 a.m. or noon shift. And I went to bed probably 1 a.m. And I woke up and it was actually the afternoon. I said to be there at 3, but it was in the afternoon past 3. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize that the sun's out. It's daylight. My family's up. The clock says three. And I call up the news saying that I'm, I'm late. I'm late. I'm late. I, I don't know. I just started the job and, and I'm late. And they're like, what? You called them? I called them because I thought I was Hilarious. late to my job. <laughs> and they're like, you know, and then every, every shift is a different crew. Mm-hmm. So this is like the daytime crew. They, they didn't know uh, who yeah. I was. They're like, what? <laughs> You're, uh, and I'm like, you know when you're looking at your alarm clock in the morning, you're not sure if what time it is. So you keep yep. looking at it over and over again. Yep. So keep looking at the clock. There's, I remember there's two clocks in, or two or three clocks in the kitchen, but none of them say PM or AM yeah. or the PM AM or very small, so you can't see it. So it keep saying it's like three something, and I look around. It's like oh, it's daytime, <laughs> and I'm like oh, I'm so, okay. Forget it. I'm sorry. Forget. It. Never mind. I've done that. I woke up at six and, in the evening. Right. I think I was supposed to yeah. be at work at six in the morning, and I woke up at six in the evening. And yep. I remember leaving my room and I'm like running to the bathroom and I'm running back. I'm like, I can't believe I'm late. And I glance downstairs and my sister's sitting on the little couch that we kind of had in our study. And I look at her and I'm mm-hmm. like, why did you let me sleep so late? And she's looking at me like, <laughs> what the hell is your problem? <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't until I got back into my room and pro- like processed the fact that my sister was just sitting on the couch, like in her robe. that I was like, yeah. oh, this is, oh. yeah, no. <laughs> I'm totally off. Oh, that's funny. So, Miggy, where where do you live? I am in Westchester, New York. Westchester. Yeah. You know, I don't know, and and uh, I always tell people there's no pre-interview. Mm-hmm. I try to go in somewhat. I want to leave gaps in the information about them, so it's all a surprise to me. So I could be authentic mm-hmm. with the conversation. Mm-hmm. Not saying that other great interviewers are not authentic, but that's just the. Right now, I'm trying that out. Yeah, no, that's cool. So, I don't know that much about you. So, where did you grow up? Uh, I actually grew up on Staten Island, New York. You grew up in Staten Staten Island, Island. Yeah. Wow. Good times. And how long did you live there for? Good times. Um, I lived on (laughs) Staten Island, actually, till I moved in with with my husband about uh, Mm. 10, 15 years ago. Somewhere between 10 and 15. Yeah. Wow. So you live there you're <clears throat> more of your, more than half yeah, of your life. Yeah, definitely. Did you have a, <laughs> my birthday is a month away, so it's like right in my face mm-hmm. how old I am. Yeah. And it's cool. I respect, I love birthdays. I respect them. I, I love dates and anniversaries. Mm-hmm. I try to not forget um, important oh, okay. dates. Um, I, and I have to write them down still. Yeah, I have a strange memory. Mm-hmm. Like I could, you could tell me one thing, I could forget it five seconds later, which drives my wife crazy. <laughs> <I'm sure. laughs> that's it. That's like the that's the spawn of many arguments. Yeah. 
is it didn't I just said it like I I know you said it and I totally <laughs> forgot and I heard you I heard you um, I just didn't or like twenty process it it's just there process it right because I'm processing mm-hmm. other things or you told me you know you told me I told you twenty four hours ago I I know I know I know you did but I have strange memory I have other other things I remember dates are one years are one. Mm-hmm. When movies came out, when songs came out, really? but I also oh, that's really like, good. wow, but special moments. Uh, and I, I remind Carrie about the special moments or the special years or the mm-hmm. special days. And so our anniversary is coming up in a couple of days. And I, so I think it's, it's pretty cool anniversary. Like, I didn't think I was, I just never knew if I was going to get married, mm-hmm. but being married for this long, for us, we started late in everything. So it's, so it's great to, uh, you know, we're coming up on seven years and, uh, you know, it's, it's cool. It's, it, yeah. it's cool. It's cool. You know, it, to be in, and to be with someone the way, you know, love conquers all, but even though you can argue, you can bicker, mm-hmm. you can fight, you can not talk to each other for a day. You can play that yeah. game. You know, you're going to come back Always. around. Always. Cause yeah. you love them. It's like your soulmate, yeah. you know. It's... So when you're growing up, Biggie, did you have? Um, unfortunately, a lot of things in life we 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 start asking someone. The first one, the first question is, "What mm-hmm. do you do?" You know. Uh, so what do you do right now? Instead yeah. of like, yeah, I mean, but like for like a right, but if like a career, what do you do? You know, what's what do you what's your profession? Instead of saying, "How mm-hmm. are you?" You know, or uh, how did you get here? I don't know. Other questions could be better than what, what do, do you, you do? do? But I'm going to ask <laughs> you, what do you do? But when you're growing up in Staten Island, this is part of the question. And the other half mm-hmm. of the question will be later. But what was your your normal growing up in Staten Island? Oh. And if, and yeah. Please oh, no, go. I was just like, oh, I got to think about that. Because my yeah. normal is a little, well, to me, I guess, or to a lot of people that I grew up with, my normal is a little odd. Mm. My family, okay. my parents are very religious. So my okay. normal was, you know, I didn't really go out much. I, well, you know what? I take that back. I went out a lot to church. I so see. it was like, I think the only day that we were not in church was maybe, I want to say Mondays. I was just going to say mm-hmm. a day of the week out of, out of almost like a half yeah. joke. But you took one day off to not Yeah, because we were church. always in things. So, like, um, of course, there's church on Sunday. Um, and we had morning mm. church, and then there was evening There was evening church as well. Why? I don't know, now mm. that I think about it. But, yeah, they had morning service and evening yeah. service. And then I don't think we yeah. did anything on Mondays. But Tuesdays, I was, <laughs> I was in Bible quiz. So it's kind of like, you know jeopardy for bible kids so i did a lot of like uh-huh. memorization and my brother was actually my coach so i think tuesdays and maybe thursdays like sometime on thursdays we would go back to the church to practice and then on wednesdays we had midweek service and also youth group um and then on thursdays again we would do quiz team practice but we also had choir practice and then on fridays of course was like youth night so we'd all go and hang out then and then saturdays we would either have like a quiz meet or something something was always going on and then of course then you're back to sunday so it was was just like a constant it's a constant thing 
Yeah, so that's a lot. Um, was that? I have a couple. I have a handful mm-hmm. of questions. Was that right from birth? You're you're put into this into the um, the oh, circuit. Yeah. Of, oh yeah, yeah. That's. Yeah. I think yeah. it's like before birth. Yeah, before. while you're still in the womb. Well, you people kinda, are like praying over yeah, you, yeah. and yeah, it's it's what you know. It's like right. That's before the sound. You can even walk. It, you know? Right. Right. Wow. So when you're going to church now, was this also school or is you also went no? To I did go to school as well. And I'm only going to say this because it it, it uh, goes into my next question. You're an African American woman, <laughs> and I'm only saying this because someone listening, you know, it doesn't race doesn't matter. But and now someone listening would not know that. Um, but I'm saying this because the society and the community that you're in was it an African American based. Uh, or uh, primarily a based uh, African-American church? It wasn't, actually. Or no. it wasn't? I okay. think um, it might have been had we lived somewhere else. My parents are from the island, so mm-hmm. they actually moved. Um, they lived in the Commonwealth of Dominica, and then they moved to St. Thomas, and then they moved to Canada, and then they ended up in mm. in New York. So initially, they were in Brooklyn. We were in Brooklyn. I was born there. And then when I turned three, I think we moved to Staten Island. I think if we'd stayed in Brooklyn, it would have been more of mm. an African-American community. But on Staten Island, I, I see. not that there aren't any black people there. There's a ton. But I think the the community that we were in or like the church group that we were in, it was it was mainly, mm-hmm. I think, um, I think my parents were saying like they were when they got there, it was mainly like Scandinavian it was very like subdued. It was very white. Yes, it was very white. Was that... mm-hmm. <laughs> it was very white. So okay. like okay. even then, like clapping was like a big deal. It was. It's weird. Yeah, oh. they, they were very. They were very chill. They were very subdued. Because black churches much louder. They're very yes. animated. Much louder. Very much, animated. Much louder. Response. And we, as yeah. as they got more. Uh, as they got more diverse, like, you know, more things were added and a lot more things became acceptable. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. even so, like when I left the church and we, we ended up going to another church, it was so jarring for me because I was like, these people are bellowing over everything oh. and I can't take it. Like my nerves can't stand it. <laughs> it wow. was so weird. You're conditioned. Yes. Yeah. And I yeah. thought we were, you know, having a grand mm-hmm. old time. No, I went to another church and I was like, uh, this is way too much for me. Yeah, <laughs> too much. You guys are too yeah. holy. A little, a little too up there. <laughs> too holy. <laughs> you're right. You're right. Happy hanging. Because the spirit is felt to the body, and you know, at, at, at some yes, of those churches. So. I once did a report in college about uh, Martin Luther King Jr.'s "I Have a Dream" mm-hmm. speech, where he based his the way he would speak was based on how he would speak to people. With, they call them mm-hmm. response in churches. And uh, I always found that fascinating. How he just, and that's what it became to be. And um, he would he would welcome that in his speeches. I found that fascinating. Interesting. Yeah. The first thing, and unfortunately, I'm going to take a side, uh, just a side topic mm-hmm. for a second. That's Nine Island. In the beginnings of my film and TV career, I was straight mm-hmm. out of college. Um, I was a production assistant on a movie. I don't know where it was in my career, but it was, it was definitely in the beginnings. So I went to scout locations with one of the producers mm-hmm. for this movie, help take pictures, whatever, and we went to Staten Island. And his friend there, who was our tour guide for Staten Island, somehow knew 
Same with the Bull Gravano. <laughs> so I'm not surprised. Somehow. So our tour became a little bit mm-hmm. for this movie and a little bit of where yeah. the bodies were buried. There there was a spine found here, bodies were found here, we go over here, there's you know, there's Bull Santa Bull Gravano's victims here. We go down another street and there's just like this just like this um in the middle of nowhere almost courtyard of of big mansions mm-hmm. and mini mansions named after one of the mafia's family's names the street was their <laughs> name <laughs> and of the uh, yeah and that's the, all their family yeah, had these mcmansions yeah, I, know exactly where you're, so, I, I know exactly where you took you that's really oh yeah funny. wow that's wild that you would actually yeah, know that no. street the whole um, area it's just yeah everyone just kind of knows you know wow so if you don't mind, let's go back to the religious experience mm-hmm. for a second, because I am, and I'm kind of repeating myself from this other conversation, but it's okay because it's a different story. It's just you. It's your mm-hmm. normal. I'm Jewish. Uh, I don't really follow it a little bit. Um, if you're bringing up the wedding again, our anniversary, I kind of nod in the, the religious mm-hmm. experience a little bit. But it, was, but it was reformed, and we didn't do it all together. We had one day. The, fr- the day before our wedding was a religious oh, okay. wedding. So under God, under, you know, mm-hmm. quote-unquote God, under religion aspect, it was the day before. But then we had mm-hmm. our wedding the next day, and her brother was actually our efficient. And we had a female rabbi, and so it was very cool, very reformed. And even on your ketubah, which is called like your, your contract, mm-hmm. your wedding contract, okay. I guess, in Hebrew, it's supposed to be signed by not family members. And I think even men and women are even mm-hmm. used to be just men. But I think we only had women signed as witnesses. And one of them is my sister-in-law. And we're like, you know, F it. We're just going to, you know, yeah. reform. So, uh, and I grew, I grew up going to Hebrew school sometimes. And enough to get to my bar, mm-hmm. bar mitzvah. And that was it for me. And even when... When I was 15, two years later, when I was in a major accident, in a Jewish religion in the temple, there's a rabbi and a cantor, and the cantor yeah. is a singer. And I remember, yeah. oh, you know, you know the cantor. Usually, you know, nice man, beautiful voice, that's what they do. <laughs> so uh, you don't know what they're saying, but it's beautiful. So um, I remember I was with my mom, and it was soon after my accident, and um, I'm a mess because I'm, I'm just broken. And I probably had a... Oh, when I was 15, I was hit by a car when I was on a bicycle, oh, and I almost awful. died. Yeah, it was it was pretty major. It was pretty major. Um, I don't want to get into... Mm-hmm. It's a big story. Uh, I kind of mention it sometimes here and there uh, mm-hmm. on the show, but it, it, yeah, I was on a bicycle. I was heading back to high school. I was in drama, so I was going... I went to stop quickly at my house, and I was on my bike, and I was going to go back to school to rehearse because I was in this play, and one block away from my house, I was hit by a car, and I cracked the windshield with my face. It was a mess. I was broken. I was on my support. Um, Yeah, it was um, my pelvis. I broke the left wing Mm -hmm. of my pelvis, snapped, six broken ribs, broken, um, yeah, broken pelvis, six broken ribs, broken eye socket, two chip bones, my which was my ankle and, mm-hmm. and my coccyx. There's the tailbone, the collapsed lung, pierced lung, um, 
the report says I have blood transfusion. My parents don't remember mm-hmm. blood transfusion. And that kind of inspired me to become a like a permanent, ever long, everlasting gotcha. blood donor. And uh, I was out of the hospital in two weeks with no surgeries. So I was out of school. It happened in April. So out of school for April, May, June. And teachers would come to my house to help me finish. I had these teachers come to my mm-hmm. house to help me finish the year. And, and this is, there's a connection to Hebrew school with this. So one of my teachers, who was my earth science teacher, who had come to my house, he was, he was one mm-hmm. of my Hebrew school teachers. He did not remember me. <laughs> and I went to two Hebrew schools because um, one had uh, uh, closed down, I think. And funny, cool thing about this Hebrew school, which was in this one town, one of the fat boys, remember the fat yes. boys? The fat boys, they made, they made one movie called Disorderlies. And I like some of their, some of their music. Mm-hmm. Mid, mid-80s, early-80s, one of the grandmothers lived in the retirement home behind my temple. So one day, what was his name? He, the, the shorter one. I remember one, their names. The, 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 I, guess the, <clears throat> I, guess the, I guess the fatter one, if you got to say mm-hmm. it. He came in with his, I don't know who it was, but maybe his driver, whoever, two other people, mm-hmm. into the temple. Oh, wow. He comes into the temple because they can't find the retirement home. Oh, and I was like, oh, my God. You're... <laughs> yeah. I was like, I was tripping tripping out and so right then and there he gave gave me an autograph so um anyway so not that hebrew school but the other hebrew school which was in uh, uh i think one was in freeport the other one was in a town called east meadow i grew up in merrick mm-hmm. so in east meadow which was actually next to this temple was actually next to the hospital that i had gone to for my accident but this teacher from that school who i remember yelling at me because i had my because he thought i was writing on my desk mm-hmm was at my house two years later as my earth science teacher. Did not remember me. I did not like the guy, but I had no choice. I could not get rid yeah. of him. And, and that was the only, that was the only, they're called regents oh, exams. Yeah. That was the only regents exam I failed. I was homeschooled with a major accident, going to therapy and psychologist and doctors on both sides, mm-hmm. everything. I failed this class by one really? fucking point. They couldn't give it to me. 64. I got a 64 in this stupid test. I had to go to summer school because they wouldn't give me this one fucking point. They couldn't, like, there was no essays. It was all that's, multiple choice. Come on, that's no, like, come on. That's really asshole That's super asshole So I had to go to summer school to then. What did you do with this guy? Else, on top of everything. I don't know. But on top of everything else, I failed. Well, he didn't fail me. The, oh, the school board oh. failed me. But, uh, yeah, but he was, oh, okay. he was my teacher. So he, so on top of everything else, I had to go to not only therapy, physical therapy, blah, blah, blah. I had to also go to summer school to get one That's more terrible. point. Yeah. And it was like about like, you know, I remember him teaching me about the reproduction of, of flowers and all this stuff. And the first thing, horribly, the first thing, he's probably dead now. But the first thing I remember about him is that I, I was too humble to tell him that he had like a long oh book coming out of his nose <laughs> and he did not know oh. he did not how know, not know i didn't know how to tell fingers. him i find that to be so like it was long distressing to me i only see that i mean he was probably i'm he's he i don't think he was fully there i do not think he was fully consciously Ew. there to not know so that was a wild <laughs> tangent but yeah so that was a wow so <laughs> But I remember here. Okay, now I got. I'm, I'm going back to it. I'm coming back to it. So during this time, I'm in a store with my mom, whatever, 
I'm probably walking with a cane or a walker. Mm-hmm. Now my, my left wing of my pelvis snapped, but it didn't hit the growth plate. So if it hit growth plate, my leg would have stopped yeah. growing. And the first time I ever heard about a growth plate was when I was in elementary school when I caught one of those big red balls. You know those big red mm-hmm. balls for like dodgeball or whatever? So I caught one of those really bad in uh, between my fingers and it broke my pinky. And it, um, it, and that was my first case of it almost touched a growth plate. If it had touched a growth plate, my finger would have stopped growing. So the same thing with my pelvis. Hmm. But I'm fine. So You're one of those kids who are always just like banged up. I was an accident-prone child, and that's a that's a, just a completely different conversation <laughs> because I have scars all over my body, and by the time I was three, I was in three accidents. Oh, my God. Poor you. Right. So I believe I had mentioned this on another episode, and the, for the obsessed fan out there, you know what I'm talking about, <laughs> what episode that was, and who I was talking to, and what time of day it was, <laughs> um, that... The three accidents were crawling next to my mother down the hallway, down the hallway of my house, and she's not watching me. I crawl into the wall. So that's a hairline fracture of my head. Second oh my accident, I'm, a, I'm about two years old. So I'm walking, and I'm able to go up a, the stairs of a, of, a, of a slide, which would eventually become my elementary school. I'm mm-hmm. with my sister and her friend. I fall down the stairs of the slide. Oh, my poor you. My sister is not behind me, apparently. My sister is six years older than me. So this is a time mm-hmm. when you can let out your your eight-year-old daughter and their, you know, and your two-year-old out to play, right? you know, a block away at and a school people playground. Weren't, uh, people wouldn't call the cops on you. People wouldn't call the cops, and it was fine. You know, mm-hmm. let them play. It was her and her friend and me. But I fell down the stairs. I'm two years old. So I fall down the stairs. I probably had a, like a minor concussion. And I broke my oh. left wrist. So oh, I break my left wrist. You. Yeah. And there's pictures of me in the cast. So as soon after I get this cast removed. And, I'm, and there's a picture on my cast. My mom wrote, you know, big boo-boo. Soon after that happened... This is my first bicycle accident. My my mm-hmm. second bigger one. My second biggest one was when I was hit by the car. Mm-hmm. Apparently, this is a story. Someone's bicycle, our neighbor's bicycle, probably the same neighborhood as with my sister when I fell off the slide. Um, her bicycle's out on the sidewalk, and everyone's out in the front yard. My I have a brother mm-hmm. who's seven years older. My sister's six years older. I'm the baby. Everyone's playing. No one's watching the two and a half year old. Oh, and no. and a two and a half year old playing with the bicycle. Now, the bicycles had to been on a kickstand or on its side. I was mm-hmm. not old enough to know how to do. You know, you ever play ice cream? You ever flip the bicycle over and play ice cream? No. You know what that is? Well, well, you. Oh, well, well I'm like you know, I'm a, a white Jewish boy from Long Island. You know, play <laughs> ice cream. What you what you do is you flip over the bicycle and then you spin the you spin the pedals. And it's like you're you're oh, turning okay. the ice cream. You play ice cream. So I don't think I was doing that. I don't know. However, it happened. My right fingers, my first finger and my middle finger, get caught in a chain, and Ow. they cut the fingertips off. And oh, I think you mentioned this. Actually, you did you, mention it. I have mentioned this. Okay. So you're yeah. a best fan. <laughs> I just <so> <laughs> okay. Well, it all no, comes clear now. I think you now. mentioned it in a video with Carrie. Oh, okay. Oh, maybe. 
Yeah, um, I think, yes, no, I do remember. So, um, oh, no. so yeah, so that happened. So, yeah, that was my third accent. So, anyway, so back to the time when I'm in the store with my mom with a walker or a cane or whatever, and we, we bump into the canter. And the canter mm-hmm. says, he found out about my accident, and he was praying for me when I was in the hospital. Oh. And I thought, and I'm 15, and I think to myself in my head, that's very sweet of you. Did it really work? I guess it worked because I'm alive, but it did worked, it really? I guess. But did it really? I mean, his did, and this is me in my head. This moment, just all this, mm-hmm. all these thoughts are flashing through my 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 cranium. Uh, it's very nice of him to pray for me. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm doing okay. I'm getting through this. Do prayers work? And I'm 15. Do prayers work? Does do more prayers work if more people pray for you? If there's like a congregation or a church praying for someone, does the strength of their prayers work? Does one person prayer work? Or is it, it doesn't hurt? Like if you take homeopathic pills, it doesn't yeah. hurt. Let's it see if it happens. It, does, it doesn't hurt. Is, is a prayer, oh, this is a good question. Is a prayer homeopathic medicine? Um, like it doesn't, it doesn't hurt. So when you were going through, you're going to your church six days a week and praying. Did you feel I that pray. you were, what? You prayed. <laughs> I was going in a lot praying, of praying, and praying, praying. <laughs> and a lot of praying. Did you feel a lot of praying? A lot of praying. Did you fear that your this was your normal? That was your normal growing up. Was six days a week. That going was to my normal. What did you do on the seventh day? Rested. Uh, yeah. yeah, I I probably cleaned something. Knowing my mom, <laughs> you cleaned something. <laughs> probably. You cleaned hopefully, something. you watched like Looney Tunes or something. Oh no! I mean, we did. I shouldn't say it like did that. Did you watch like, Bugs we, Bunny? We did, but yes, yeah, we did. Yeah, but we didn't get to like. There are so many movies. Like when people mention things that we didn't get to see. We, we were actually just talking about it the other day. Uh, we didn't celebrate Halloween. That was it, a whole separate thing. You didn't celebrate Halloween. My question was before, let me get to Halloween for a second. So in that seventh day, I would have, I would, just because how I am now, I would have to like, just like go all, just like veg and watch Looney Tunes. If it, there's going to be a lot of praying, you need, need to like go on the other spectrum, the other end of the spectrum and just like. Yeah, no. No. There was no other end of the spectrum. Oh. It just, it didn't exist, really. Wow. There was always, like, that reigning in. So, there was always... So, I mean, we weren't in church on that one day, but there was still church in the house. Mm. <laughs> so, uh-huh. so, yeah, there was no... There was no other end of the spectrum. It was always just a... It was a constant. Mm. And it wasn't until... Yeah, it wasn't until I was in college that I was finally like, you know, I'm sort of kind of sick of this. So when you're in college, and where did you go to college? I went to John Jay in Manhattan. So you go into the big city, you go into Manhattan, and which is not Staten Island at all. I, I just never thought Staten Island was a borough. Well, I know, and, and a so, lot of people don't. Yeah, it's it's different. It's a, it's not, it's, anyway, I don't want to put down Staten Island. Um, <laughs> but uh, Don't put down Staten Island. We will come for you. <laughs> yes. Um, Staten Islanders will bend together. Uh, there's a smell. I remember driving in. Remember it's when I was on that drive? 
That's not your fault. No, it's not your fault at all. It's the dump right when you when you get in. It's the fish yeah. dump. It's the fish kale dump. It's uh Yes. Right? Yes. Fish, yeah. That's just And a, they would not when we were good, growing up. Yeah. They sprayed it with this like chemical that sort of was supposed to cover the smell, but it would always smell like oranges. It always smelled like rotting Ugh. oranges. Ugh. So you would wake up one day, like if it was really hot or something, you'd wake up and just be like, oh, I smell the oranges. <laughs> That's just awful. That's horrible. But you're so used to it, you don't think that much of it. It's just like, you know, like, oh, there it is. I mean, yeah, that's what you, it, we don't do them now, but yeah. that's those, that's the spread in a bathroom. That's the, yeah, you know, right. that's the Lysol spray in a bathroom. That's it what kinda... it's, it's the orange Lysol of Stein Island. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. Wow. And you like associate wow. certain smells with, even now, like even, I mean, people use like air freshener in the bathroom. To me, it's still poo. Yeah. Like it's. Yeah. That smell means poo, so it's gross to me. Like Febreze, the smell of Febreze means like funky clothing, so it's gross to me. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Right. Bad placement of a dump in Stung Island. It's Mm -hmm. just a bad placement because the first thing you go, you drive into it. So that's fascinating that you would not only would you go to church and sometimes three days, three times a day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there were times where you just. There were times, I mean, if we were, if we were working on things, like, we always had, like, plays, or, there were times we would just stay all day. You would go there on, like, a Sunday morning, and you were just pretty much there until, you know, your parents picked you up in the evening, even on Saturdays. Like, Mm. there were times, um, especially, it was for Thanksgiving, actually, right before Thanksgiving, we would do a bake sale Mm -hmm. for Thanksgiving. And I'm only laughing now because in retrospect, I realized, like, we made awful pies. <laughs> we made <laughs> terribly awful dry pies. But we would leave school and go straight to church and just be there for hours. But wow. it was fun. Wow. I shouldn't say it, it wasn't like we were sitting there praying the whole time. We had a lot of fun. It was mm-hmm. like the same group of kids. We had a lot of fun. We got into a lot of trouble. We, you know, it was their way of keeping us out of trouble. Was the trouble aspect was it about being, you know, quote unquote pure? Oh yeah, that was yeah. a big, that was a big yeah. part. Pure. Oh, God and, bless him. One of our youth yeah. leaders. Yeah. And he recently he died last year. God bless him. Um, mm. We were going to convention once a year. We would have a convention. It was always right before Easter, and all of the the churches in our region, all of the Assemblies of God churches, would go up to Syracuse, and right before one of the trips. Um, our youth leader, Raphael, we were all sitting down and he says to us, this giant group of asshole kids, he says mm-hmm. to us, we are taking you up there as virgins and we expect you to come back as virgins. No. <laughs> I remember being so offended. I was like, how dare you? Yeah. I told my mom, I was like, how dare I was like, that is not a conversation for him to have with us. If you'd right. like to have that conversation with me, that's fine. But mm-hmm. I don't think that's his place. And she looked at me and she was just like, oh, is that what you think? <laughs> right. I think that was the end of it. I was like, oh, okay. I'm, I'm sure your mom, and, and I don't want to speak for your mom, but I, this is just my, you know, I don't like to use the word assumption. And mm. that's another story. But my assumption is she knows what you're going through at your church. She yes. knows everything, every step, what you're being taught, what the guidelines are, what the protocols are. Yeah. She knows she knows the background for it. No, oh, and she also yeah. knows that some kids do happen to find themselves in trouble, so Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it happens. 
you follow the Thanksgiving tradition? Did you follow other? I think the only thing that we weren't really like into was, or not necessarily, I shouldn't say into, like it was just not a thing, was Halloween. Mm. It wasn't until I was much older that they started changing it. So we didn't celebrate Halloween, but they would have harvest festivals again to keep the kids like from going out you know trick-or-treating or or something Mm -hmm. so they would have harvest festivals so that everybody would just come to the church oh i see yeah but otherwise everything everything else was pretty much the same except for easter um i didn't like we didn't do like the whole bunny thing it was a religious holiday so my friend is always and again it wasn't an issue to me until my son was born because I never thought mm. of it. Like, it came, it went. When I got older, we didn't really celebrate anything, so it was nothing. Right. But when my son was born, my best friend's like, he needs an Easter basket, and he needs this, that, and the other. And I was like, I have no clue what you're talking about right now. Wow. I was like, why Even I knew even... that. Yeah. I mean, I knew it, but it wasn't something I did. So when mm. she was like, you know, he needs to, you should have his Easter basket, and all of, like, the actual specifics, I had no clue. I was like, I don't, I don't know what that is, and we don't celebrate we don't really do anything you don't celebrate you're following the the service of it not the what is it the americanized version of it yeah but, or i think is that it would the, be the, like the more pagan side the, of it that's that a, you know i never understood it banging like bunnies never and all of that the bunnies and eggs bunnies only eggs well i think it's about like you know because bunnies are very fruitful i suppose you could say so, right fertile <laughs> yes right. they're very fertile animals so i think it's yeah. about like in spring, it's like new awakenings and new beginnings and the birds are being mm. born. and You know, you're celebrating the sweetness of life and banging right. like bunnies, I guess. I don't know. But why eggs? Why can't you, like, instead of going for, a, like, an egg hunt, go for a baby bunny hunt? Actually, that doesn't sound good. Yeah, a I don't baby know. Bunny hunt. I think the e- <laughs> it's easier to just say, I think the eggs are, are just another sign of fertility. Right. Yeah. It's a, right. Yeah. Um, what was the church they went to? What was the sect of... Catholicism or Christianity? Um, we are Pentecostals, I guess. Evangelical Pentecostals. We were part of the Assemblies of God Church. Wow. Okay. And how do you feel about it now, looking back on that time? Um, you know, I can't... I won't speak for the church itself, because mm-hmm. I feel like everybody does things differently. I would say, just based on my family's take on it, and my family's um focus on it i felt and i feel I, it was overkill it was just way overkill and to me it was very it was very brainwashing mm. so there is no other there are no other options i was actually told that like you know later on in life when i was really questioning things i'm like why is this and why is that and it, i was pretty much told like this is it this is what you're born into and you don't have a choice wow and i was like yeah i don't think so so, <laughs> yeah. Well, you thought of you did you realize that when you were in college? Yeah, I started to kind of break away when I was in college, but I always yeah. kind of felt like it didn't seem fully real to me. I don't know why. I remember I actually remember um being like a teenager and being I think we got stuck in like traffic in Brooklyn or something and watching the Orthodox Jews walking mm-hmm. by and I remember looking at them and just thinking like I really wish I had that level of dedication I felt like oh, I never wow. felt like I could really like I guess live up to the expectations I never felt like it was something I could actually do 
when I was even younger than that, I wanted to be a nun because I was like, then I would be like, you know, in a church, you live in a church, you dedicate yourself to God, and then you don't have to worry about, uh, you know, outside influences and all of that. Right. The impurities of the real world. Yeah. So, yeah, by the time I hit college, I was just like, you know, I don't know. It seems like it just doesn't seem like something I, I really believe in. So up until the time that you went into college and you're realizing this for yourself, um, up until that time, you thought you were actually considered about being a nun. Yeah. Yeah. When I, I thought it was, it was silly because we're, we don't have nuns in our religion at all. Mm-hmm. So it's not, no. it would, it would have been like, you know, an outside of religion thing. I was just kind of wishing that we had something like that where I would be able to just, you know, just kind of lock myself away. Cause I always felt like you always have this sense of doom <laughs> in, in a oh. very like evangelical religion. And, you know, if you are not a, then you're going to hell. Everything's kind of followed up with, well, then you'll go to hell. And mm-hmm. So it was very stressful for me in my mind. I had a lot of anxiety. I think other people may have, I mean, obviously other people do well with it. Um, I call it mush for brains. I felt like I had mush for brains. So a lot Mm. of it was just too much. It was too much to process. I would have nightmares about like people because they believe in um, like the rapture. I would have nightmares of like my family and everybody like disappearing on me. And there I was, like, the only person who wasn't able to live up to this standard, you know, left on Earth for whatever reason. So it was very stressful. It was a, it was a lot of stress. So it wasn't so until I got f- older that I was finally like, okay, this is, this doesn't make sense to me. Right, right, right. And you're also, you're in college and you're surrounded by a, a slew of people of, of many different backgrounds. Yes. Outside of that circle. Different influences. Yeah. Just being in Manhattan in general. I mean, we've been back and forth in Manhattan, but being out there finally by yourself to like really observe yeah. people and observe what's going on. And it, it finally like, you know, I, I couldn't understand why they would stress so much about, you know, anybody kind of outside of their circle going to hell. I was like, but, what about Jewish people who devote themselves to God? I'm like Catholics who do it. We so don't are all in hell. of these? Oh no, I mean like in general, like who don't believe right. in. I don't. I don't mean believe in hell, but you do. I shouldn't say you personally, but there is a focus mm. on you know being dedicated to God and being very religious. Right. So right. all of these other people have it wrong, <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. It just didn't that make was... sense to me. It didn't make sense that yeah. it just didn't. It doesn't seem, I was like, so maybe all of these other people are looking at us and thinking, oh, you guys are doomed. <laughs> I've thought about that often, uh, even while growing up. It's like, okay, I'm part of the Jewish religion. My people, you know, my people were, if I could say that my, you know, my ancestors were sacrificed because of a, of a belief system that they grew up into. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm going to honor that of me, but the actual believing of you know, the Bible, a God, but they have a different God, and that God is the son of this God, and yeah. all, and and what about that God, and what do they believe in, and people get being killed because they believe in this and this, and I'm like, what is going on here? Yeah. So I had to, taken a long time to, and I was never really completely religious anyway, but it, it 
we know that all of that comes down to, and I know Bill Maher made a great documentary called Religious, which mm-hmm. really dives in. Have you seen Religious? No, no. But check out the documentary Religious. I'm pitching this documentary. I'm not getting paid to pitch this documentary. Mm-hmm. Bill Maher's Religious. I'm not sure what platform it's on, but you should check it out. Where he just asked, he just asked questions of, to people of different faiths. Mm-hmm. Why Jesus? Why is it this person? I've had all these questions. Now, when you're yeah. in this and you're thinking that you wanted to be a nun, did you think that you were going to be a nun because you're just giving in to it? Like, no. I want to do this. If I'm going to do this, I'm going to go all the way with it. Yeah, it would be. I okay. I felt I wanted to be a nun because then I would I would be able to live up to their requirements. We like, oh. there's no such thing in our religion. We don't have nuns. So it's pretty right. much just on you to, you know, read this and believe. So I, I just never, it never felt right. It never, it just never felt real. So mm. yeah, for a long time I was, I was depressed and I, I went back and forth for a couple of years and then I, I think I just kind of let it go. You let, well, you let it go in college. No, actually, it was a little later on. Like, I started really questioning things in college. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But it wasn't until... I would say maybe it wasn't until, like, maybe a year before I moved out of my parents' house that I was mm-hmm. really finding, like, this is... You know, I get it. I understand what you guys are trying to tell me and all this, but I'm. it doesn't make sense. And... Actually, I really, I had, you know, I don't know if you know about, like, losing the baby and everything. I think at that point, I was done. You were done. So it was a question up until that point, and then that happened, and I was like, I, I don't get this. And I believe a, a big part of that was mm. the inability of, I shouldn't say these people, but a lot of people in my life who were, like, born-again Christians, and to really connect with me on a, on a human level. They get very... Mm religious they get very biblical so i couldn't understand mm-hmm. somebody like looking me in the eye and saying god has a purpose for this i was just like that doesn't make sense you're gonna have to come up with something else <laughs> you know what i mean like that <laughs> that is not helpful yeah. to anybody i don't know why you would say that to anybody but i think that finally that was the nail in the coffin for me that was it yeah. was it that statement itself uh yeah yeah i think i think it was that statement um kind of put together it was in a like a lovely package of other very religious statements mm. that were meant to be helpful or meant to be comforting but we're not do you think it's condescending yes very much so yeah it's condescending yeah. but it's also very dismissive mm. it's dismissive of your feelings as a as a person mm. it would be better to say to someone you know and you don't have to actually understand how they feel but just to say you know i I understand that you are feeling this way. Like you, you have every right to feel this way as opposed Instead to of saying God, is, God has a plan. Yeah, you kind of shut right. the person down. Right. And if you're not in this right. space, I mean, it, it works for some people. It, it absolutely does. Um, but if you're not in that space, if you're not in that area of your life or in that like religious, uh, I don't know the word for it. If you're not on that religious level, it's not very helpful. Yeah. You have to be on their plane Yeah, to, to get it. So before that, so when you're, you're just kind of considering about being a nun, like it's either going to be you're totally confused, you don't know oh, yeah, what was... to do because that's all you know. And yeah. So like, if I'm I'm either going to stay confused, or and become a nun. It actually kind right. of made me feel 
like hopeless. So like I would, I right. remember very like distinctly looking at like the Orthodox Jewish people and thinking like I, I admire their dedication from what yeah. I can see from yeah. the outside, of course, because you don't know. But I admire their yeah. their their ability to be be in one hundred percent. Well, that I mean that's that's slighted thinking of at the age that you're in then. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's two things there that. You want to be a nun because you want to feel extreme. Nuns are not part of a, of part of the practice. So you don't have that option. Yeah. And I guess you, I guess you can't be a female priest because that's not allowed. I guess. No, they they have like pastors, but they I had I that, figured but... I I would have to be, again, at a, a higher level. I didn't feel like I could. Mm. You know, I couldn't I couldn't stand there and preach to somebody, and tell them to believe something I didn't. Mm. I tried. I would. I was actually. I was just talking to my husband about this because we were watching that movie. I think it's called Troop Zero. And I was laughing because we had kind of a Girl Scouts, but it was a religious yeah, Girl Scouts. comedy? It's kind isn't of funny, Zero, but it like was, a, it was yeah. there were parts of it that were a little sad to me. Oh, I wow. hate watching movies where kids are getting bullied. Like, <laughs> that really, oh, yeah. that really irks me. So, yeah. uh, like, that part really, that part really gets to me. Even if it's from like another kid, I'm just like, where are your parents? Mm-hmm. Someone has to stand mm-hmm. up for this child. So that made me that made me sad. But I was watching them and I was like, we had kind of Girl Scouts for for a church. It was called Missionettes. So for a few years, I would say it was only about a year, maybe a year and change. Um, when I was in college, I I grew up doing it myself. But then when I was in college, they were like, you know, would you be able to like teach a group? And I tried to do it, and I was just like, I don't feel like I can do this. <laughs> I did it for a bit, and finally, I remember sitting down and talking to my mom. I was like, I, I don't believe what I'm telling these kids. So I don't feel like I can do this. I, I feel like I'm, I'm not good at faking like my yeah. feelings and all of that. I don't. You are going through your own stuff. Mm-hmm. You're a youth. You're still going through the whole troubling times of as a teenager. Mm-hmm. But now you're turning around and guiding other people of your age or younger and you don't know yeah no but i was older by that point i was in my i was in my early 20s so maybe like forget everything i just no (laughs) it's okay i was like 20 21 at that time so they had me working with girls who were you know 10 11 12 and i was just like hey little ladies (laughs) i don't know what to tell you but you at that time you're 21 which means you're out of college yeah. So you're you're near the end of your you're close to your decision of of dropping it off. Yes. Yeah. At that time, when you were guiding these twelve year olds, were you thinking in the back of your head, I'm, "I don't believe any of this"? I just felt I don't know if I at the time fake? I could. Yeah, I don't know if I could like verbalize that I don't believe any of it, but I felt fake. Mm. I did yeah. feel. Yeah. I felt very fake. I felt very. I felt like a hypocrite. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I know the area of Brooklyn you're talking about. Areas of Brooklyn you're talking about, and the waves mm-hmm. of the Asidum. And uh, from the outside, you could think they're very dedicated, but mm-hmm. really, it's the same thing that they're they're just grown up into it. Yes, yeah, um, I see that now. And that's, yes, yeah, now, yeah. yeah, yeah. I never felt like I could yeah. live up to the whole thing. I remember people telling me, "Is that awful? Oh my god, awful stage fright." I say had. I haven't been on stage. I probably still have it. But mm-hmm. awful, awful stage fright. Awful. And they would literally, somebody would look at me and be like, you know, you're just not praying hard enough. And I'd be like, 
Wow. <laughs> I would want yeah. to just lose my mind because I'm like, this is so freaking traumatic. Nobody's understanding how I feel. But they would legit just be like, so many times I was just told, you know what? You just need to practice. You just got to get up there and just keep doing it. And then it'll be perfectly fine. And oh, years, years and years and years. And finally, I was like, you know what? I am done. <laughs> right. So it's very traumatic. Mm-hmm. I guess you'd wonder that the true emotions that we go through as humans and growing up in stages where we're very sensitive to things, either as a child, a toddler, mm-hmm. uh, a tween, a teenager, going through puberty, all these things, or we have our own OCDs, our own phobias. And then when someone says, you're not, you're not believing in the system that we're telling you to believe in hard enough. Yeah. It kind of, it really. It shuts you down. It shuts you down. Again, it just shuts you down. So you never really feel like you can, there's something that you're just not living up to. And there's always like, you know, one or two kids who are like the prime examples. So you would Mm -hmm. look at those kids and be like, God, I wish I could like. I wish I could do that. Look how happy their parents are. And you'd wonder, right, are are those kids who don't have the phobia or are succeeding Mm. or are doing the things that you're having trouble with and they're, they're apparent from your perspective doing pretty well. Are they praying? Maybe they're praying harder. I remember being so envious of my friend because she was super religious like, she was mm. super religious. Like, she was, like, the model person that, like, mm. all kids in, like, in my youth group would, should and would look up to. Like, you know, you got to get get as holy as that girl. <laughs> get, get some holy. <laughs> get, you got to get very holy. Yes. Whatever it is that this girl is taking every morning when her Bible pills, we need to get right. on that level. And I don't think any of us reached that level. I don't, I think mm. at some point we realized that it was, A, unattainable but B, that we are all faulty. <laughs> mm. It's just a fact. I think it's, it's really, um, you're doing a disservice to kids when you're telling them all of this stuff at such a young, such an impressionable age, where if yeah. you can't be this dedicated, well, then you're going to hell. Like, that is a lot to put on a kid's head. Yes. That yeah. is a and lot. It's all, it's all make-believe, too, right? It really it's all, is. It's, it really is. At it's, some point, uh, I was just like, hold the phone. Yeah. Okay, so if you're saying there's a God up there, this this omnipotent person who can yeah. do anything, like with a blink of an eye, can wipe yeah. out the entire earth. He's made the earth. He made all of the animals. He controls everything because everything is under God's control. Why yeah. in the hell do you think he gives two hoots what your little prayers are? <laughs> <laughs> like I felt like it was almost hubris. <laughs> I was just like, "Do you really think that you yourself are that important that he would shift the entire world just for mm. you?" Wow. And some people would say yes. Yeah. No, they they would ask. Some people have. Say that. People think that. I mean, I, and I don't want to. It's hard for me to downplay someone's belief system if it doesn't hurt anyone. Mm-hmm. But there are belief systems that do hurt other people. But I think it's a good conversation to have because there are people who think that God speaks through them. Yes. Yeah. Right. As well. Yeah. Um, and there's a whole, it's a big conversation of, you know, the people who speak 
that God speaks through them or to them. We would or, have people um, in our church. Yeah. We would have like morning worship. And um, there were always people who yeah. would speak in tongues. Uh, oh, that I was going to use that as another example. Yeah. Okay. We had a lot of people who spoke in, I shouldn't say a lot, but there were particular individuals I can remember mm. growing up who always spoke in tongues. And that was another like level that you had to reach. Like it wasn't for everyone. It was a particular level that you had to, that wow. you, I guess, were to aspire to. So there's always like somebody who spoke in tongues. And then there was a person who um, would, I guess, kind of translate it. Like I was just going to ask you that. Yeah. Is there, if there's a translator. There is a, there is a translator. And it mm. was always just, you know, whoever felt the spirit of the Lord coming to them to, you know, translate whatever this person is saying. Wow. That's all fascinating. That's all amazing. Mm. It's wild how the belief in a, a Holy Spirit Usually it's a, it's usually, I'm going to say usually it's a male. Mm-hmm. Now, when, it, when my parents would go to a, for years they had a house in Pennsylvania and they would go to a reformed temple and actually the building they would go to was actually, it was once a church because the people who built the church didn't know what a temple looked like. Mm. But, uh, and that's another, you know, anti-Semitic or, uh, you know, we don't know what Jew, who or what Jews are. So let's just build this thing for them. But the, really? That's the reformed, yeah. So that it was a church. So, but the reformed rabbi didn't wear a yarmulke, and he would change all every time they would say God as a he. Mm-hmm. He would not say the word he, and I thought that was interesting. And you think of to today as now of like gender studies of like not you know he she they or them, mm-hmm. you know, saying God as a he. I've always said that. Why? Why is God here? When we say Mother Nature, yeah. Earth is a Mother Nature yeah. that it holds us. I always picture the Earth holding us like a baby, um, Mother Nature. But God is a but He, is a he. and b- why is that? Well, the idea um, of kind of Mother Nature is is a bit pagan as well. I, I mean, yeah, yeah. I'm just going by my understanding through sure. you know what I grew I up see. with. So that was like, oh wow. I felt like there were a lot of female, uh, I don't know the word for it, but like female gods or deities or something. And it kind of like religions kind of came along and like took that away. And they're like, no, no, they're all men. <laughs> they're all men. They're but all men. but you, look at other, you look at other gods or deities and they're not all they're men. They're not. No, not at all. They're not. And that they're not all human either. No, not at all. One of my favorite deities is Ganesha. I was going to say. It's half elephant. Ganesha. Ganesha. Half elephant, half men. Yeah. And I've always dug that deity. And some are, you know, pure, pure woman. I wonder if that aspect of a God being a man or a lot, well, I mean, religion itself, it's a lot of like looking at it now, chauvinist. It's very chauvinist. Yeah. I was going to say, you can't but have a all... female God and still expect yeah. women to be like subservient exactly it exactly. defeats the purpose and and that gets into the whole you know the supreme court hearing oh, right now with this new george right. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> do you and now what i know is that your your husband is a is a white mm-hmm. male do you think and this is i may i may be stoking a fire and i'm just this is just out of curiosity the church that you went to mm-hmm. was it a diverse church or would they look at your 
I, you know, I, and I, and I say this, it's 21st century and everything, but at your mixed race marriage, would they have the an police issue with it? You, would they have an issue with it? Um, you know, I have to think about that. I think they were, they were always okay. Progressive. Yes, they were, I suppose, right. I mean, on the scale of progression, <laughs> they were on the right. scale somewhere. Right. I wouldn't call them progressive per se. But I I did always feel because we didn't have we did have like a mixed crowd, but of course the I would say the majority of the kids were white. If there mm. was something to occur, I always got the feeling that like everybody was okay with me as long as I didn't hang out with their son. Oh. So you know, I don't you know, now that I think about it, I never thought of that in that way. If I was if it if we're going mm. by today, they they wouldn't give two hoots. I don't think that would be an issue mm -hmm. because he's, right, you know, he's, you know, the person I, I met him in college. Do I think if it was maybe one or two of the other kids like that I grew up with, I think they would have definitely had an issue. Because they were also in the church. Yes. But I think they would have, they were, yeah, no, 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 everything's, you know, everything's kind of fine as long as there's no intermingling. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Well, that's across the board anyway. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, right. I do yeah. recall thinking that sometime in high school, I was really close. I was really close to this one kid and his mom was always just lovely. But I recall like at the point where we started getting closer, like she was like suddenly very icy. And I thought, oh, it's perfectly fine. You know, as long as we're not actually dating or something. Mm hmm. Well, that could have been just the that kind of like your mom, kids don't yes. do that. Is yeah, yeah. No, no, it's not a race thing. It's no. I yeah. trust me. I I felt that, but at, like you know what you yeah. you still have that question. There's always that question in the back of your mind. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's all fascinating because I didn't know this about you. I didn't you know. I asked you what's your normal because I didn't know, and and it's really cool uh, that you shared and really uh, awesome that you felt that you're comfortable to share that with not only me, but, uh, you know, the listeners out there going down this lane. Yeah. I'm going to talk about this, you I'm know, gonna, pretty I'm openly this from anyone who I grew up with. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not, I cannot change your name. <laughs> <That's fine. laughs> if you're hiding from someone, if you have stalkers <laughs> out there, <laughs> um, I certainly hope not. They must be super bored. <laughs> May I ask you now? I have two more questions. May I ask you now? What do you do? Uh, right now, I'm a stay-at-home mom slash mm -hmm. um, teacher. <laughs> I've given oh. myself that title. No, I my son is uh, doing hybrid classes, so um, mm -hmm. I help him in the morning, and then he goes to school in the afternoons. I'm home with the baby and just trying to, you know, make it so that nobody gets lost in anything in the house. <laughs> That's my main goal. Wow. Not to lose anybody. Yeah, don't them. lose them in the house. Don't lose them in the mess. <laughs> right. Don't throw out the baby right? with the bathroom. Yeah. Do you still have dreams or nightmares about those times in church? Um, sometimes. Sometimes I do. Um, a lot of times I'm just there. It's yeah. not so much nightmares anymore. I think when I had nightmares about church when I was really, like, I was really, really stressed. Mm. Like, looking back, because I was, I was working at a mental health place for a while and I would do intake oh, and wow. I remember asking I, I asked the kids the exact same question about you know there's about like your actual like mental health issues but there's also like you know things that add on so there's you know how is your sleep how is your appetite how is x y and z 
And I remember asking the kids the questions and asking them the questions. And one day looking at the questions and thinking, oh, my God, I had a nervous breakdown. <laughs> wow. I, and not realizing it until how many years later. I was like, I, I legitimately had a nervous breakdown. And I said nothing. I said nothing to anyone. Wow. It was so weird. But yeah, during that, during that time of my nervous breakdown, I had a lot. Oh, my gosh awful awful nightmares about church and about people being raptured was this whole thing but wow. uh now it's mainly just going back to visit mm -hmm. or i shouldn't say visit but like i visit in my dreams so i like kind of go back and we're hanging out just like we just like we used to it's without the stress yes it is without the stress wow that's definitely an avenue i would love to talk about next time working yeah, in the separate yeah story. <laughs> yeah so this is part one of uh, what's normal with Mickey Boylan. So my last question, I asked this question of everybody. Mm -hmm. What does normal mean to you? Oh, shoot. I should have prepared for this. What does, <laughs> <laughs> what does normal mean to me? And I, I think, would say honestly, take your time. Yeah. I think normal is whatever happens organically. Mm. There are times where you have to like, of course, like work towards things and push things. Um, but if it, if it just is, then it is normal. I feel like people sometimes try and change themselves to try right. and fit into, you know, of speaking of religion, like trying to fit into like the holes that other people would place them or like you were born here and therefore you should stay here and you should feel this way and you should do these things. But if it doesn't feel right, instead of thinking of it as an abnormal thing or you're an anomaly, that's your normal. So wow. whatever comes organically to you, that is your normal. And the people around you have to learn to accept that. It's uh, acceptance. It's a challenging part of ourselves and of other people of ourselves. Yes. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Part of the reason why I created the podcast of what's normal is questioning what normal meant to be mm -hmm. as not accepting parts of myself because of questioning parts of my and this is growing up when i was growing mm -hmm. up parts of myself or other people questioning my normal mm -hmm. so the basis of what's normal the podcast was to realize and to discuss and to normalize the normal mm -hmm. and thank you for sharing what you did it's acceptance. And, and I'm also learning that the normal, you could also use the word identity. Yeah. And changing and yourself just, for other people is... That's not normal. It's not normal. Right. It doesn't, it doesn't lead to anything good in the long run. That's do you my feel opinion. That, <laughs> that, no, that's a good opinion. Yeah, 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 of course. And do you feel like you're, when you're in this religion, this religious world, that you're just, when you're trying to appease other people for oh, acceptance yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah definitely definitely you feel like that, well there's kind of a way you're supposed to be and you're trying to live up to that and then anything less is kind of looked down upon mm -hmm. i don't know how people would feel now i think it's it i think times have changed yeah so i don't know how people would think of it now but back then it was i felt a lot of pressure i felt a lot mm -hmm. of pressure and i felt very much I don't know if you can still be in place, but out of place. Can you be in place, but out of, yes, I could see that. Sure. You can be in place, but mm -hmm. out of place. Yeah. I felt in place, but yeah. I felt like I didn't, I still didn't properly fit. 
it's that like being a, a, I think that's a theme yeah. of my life where I feel like I don't exactly properly fit. Oh. And so after trying for years to figure out like how to fit, I finally just said, oh, that's right. I don't. You don't? I don't. And I'm okay with that now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't fit. And that is fine. But growing up, that's really a stressful thing because everybody kind of finds their little, they find their niche. They find their people. But if you're not, if you're not following, if you're not deep into religion as you were brought up into, mm-hmm. you're f- trying to find your niche and where you fit just as growing, just as a child growing up mm-hmm. in, in, in cliques and, and little groups of friends. Where do I fit? Do I, I'm here, I'm in it, but do I feel like I fit here? Yeah. But then you also have to deal with the religious aspect, that, that community. Oh, yeah. Do I believe in this? Am I following this? Am I praying hard enough? Am I, am I believing um, hard enough? Am I believing hard enough? Yeah. And are you doing it for yourself or are you doing it for the people who are telling you to do mm-hmm. these things? Yeah. Um, and I was also just going to say as a, as a smaller not a metaphor, but maybe a simile or just an example. If you're at a party, mm-hmm. that you're you're in it, you're there, but you're not. You know, if you don't if you don't want to be there, you're not there. Yeah. If you don't, if you all your friends are talking to other people, and you're just standing by yourself. Yeah, that is my nightmare. And everyone else is having fun. Oh, I've been there. Like even as a boom operator, I'm on the I'm in the center of set mm-hmm. as a boom operator, and. My headphones are on. No one's talking to me, but my microphone is out there. I I hear everybody talking. Mm-hmm. Everyone's doing their own thing, but I'm by myself. Yeah, you're observing, but you no one's just, talking to me. There is actually. It's. I'm gonna do it because I'm gonna be me. There was actually a Mariah Carey song about this. <laughs> mm-hmm. oh. I remember listening to it and thinking, "Oh my God, yes, yes, that's it, that's it." Let's end on the Mariah Carey song. What's that yes. song? Um, I want to say it's called Outside. Outside. Oh, I think it's called Outside. Okay. It's at the very end of one of her albums. You know, they always throw a song in there. I'm like, you know, here's a random old song. I think it's called Outside. And it really speaks to that. Like, you're trying to kind of fit in, but you don't. And you just kind of, after a while, you kind of let it go. Mm. How long are you going to hold on to that? We're almost 100 for heaven's sake. Maggie, thank you so much. <laughs> no problem. I really appreciate it. Thank you. That was a great talk with Maggie Boylan, right? Maybe you connected to some of the things we brought up, or maybe you connected to Maggie's normal. Thank you, Maggie, for sharing. If you're in place but out of place, or you have any thoughts on the effectiveness of prayer, or any of that that correlates to you, please feel free to share your thoughts on this talk or about any thoughts that are brought up in other episodes on the social media links that are on the description page for the show. Or if you could, please leave a review for the show. Click some stars. Five stars would be great. Thank you so much for that. And check out that Mariah Carey song outside. Just read the lyrics. They're beautiful lyrics. And if you are an obsessed fan or Facebook stalker of me of my podcast, Let me know. I'll pray for you. No, no, I won't pray for you. Thank you to all my listeners and those who fit in or not. Thank you so much for listening. Be safe. Wear a mask. Call or text a loved one. You be you. And thank you for listening.